Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM. And AM 930 is great to have you with us another Friday evening where we continue our reflections into the gospel that we will hear on Sunday. If you are a faithful listener, you know that we are uh, starting the gospel of Mark. It was the second Sunday of Advent that we spent about 10 minutes or so reflecting into the person of Mark and uh, the symbolism and, and the many rich themes that we find in the Gospel of Mark. So I'm not going to rehash all of that, but certainly I may reference it. And I say I, but I should say we, because I do have Debbie Rosales with me this evening. Debbie, it is great to have you uh, back again this evening. Thank you for having me. So, Debbie, one of the themes that we have in the Gospel of Mark is that it is being called the gospel of touch, certainly because of the humanity of Jesus. But what we always must be mindful of, Mark also emphasizes the divinity of Jesus. I reference that off the top because anytime you go to read the gospel of Mark, Mark would have us read it within that context. And so this is going to be a very strong reference point, not only for us tonight, but really as we begin our journey through this liturgical year with the person of Mark. And there's so uh, many rich verses uh, tonight. As short as it is, it is packed. So we'll just go ahead and jump in. And we're reading Mark 1, verses 7 through 11. This is what John the Baptist proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son, with you, I am well pleased. Amen. Thanks for that, Deb. You know, I thought we can get our discussion started maybe with a reflection on the relationship between uh, the hidden life and the public life. Huh, Debbie? Uh, the, the unknown and known, the unseen and seen. I always find it most fascinating to think about here you have God who lived here on earth for 33 years. And you would think, you would think that he would spend most of his years, most of his days here on earth for everyone to see. But no, not only does he uh, spend just three years in public ministry, but 30 years in the quiet confines of the little town of Nazareth. Most startling. Now, I don't want to turn this whole reflection into uh, the importance on the family. We have devoted a lot of time to the family based upon this great truth that uh, over 90% of his time was spent with his family. 
Um, but I want to focus more in on this relationship between what is unseen and seen. Huh? The three years we have of his public ministry is what makes up uh, most of the Gospels, right? And so we don't have much to draw from. Yes, he had his uh, cameo appearance <laughs> when he was 12 years old in the temple, but most of his 30 years, we don't know a whole lot about. Now, the point to be had is this. If you want to be great in your ministry, if you want to do extraordinary things for God, you better spend time with God in the quiet. Huh, Deb? I mean, if you were to think about this, I think this should be something that, that most of our listeners understand, right? I mean, if you, if you were to think of a LeBron James, a, a Kobe Bryant, a Tiger Woods, or maybe a, a musician to the likes of a Taylor Swift... Yes, we see them on the stage, and they perform at the highest level. But they perform at the highest level because the number of hours that they spend working on their craft behind closed doors. In fact, really, you can translate this image to every walk of life, to every vocation. If you are going to be the best version that God is calling you to be, you need to make sure that you are spending time with what God is calling you to do, yes, but first to be, because this is what it's about. Not first doing, but first being, because we're not human doings, but human beings. And so what we see, Debbie, in the greatness of our Lord was rooted in 30 years of quiet, humble submission. And in those 30 years, he grew in wisdom and stature, as Luke 2.52 reminds us, right? <laughs> Amen. You know, without the inner life, as mm. it's sometimes called, yes. without the inner life, the outer life has no life. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, it's, where, it's where we get life from, is those, that quiet silence within our heart with our Lord, where he teaches us, we're Mary at his feet just listening, absorbing, and being transformed by His holiness. Amen to that. You know, I can't help but think of the word enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's to recall that the Greek there, entheos, means what? Uh, to bear God within. Mm -hmm. um, we are enthusiastic for Jesus Christ. We are joyful. We are full of vigor to the extent that we spend time on the inner life, the interior life. And so this is very important to how we are called to see the orientation of what we do, because all good acts yield to contemplation. Um, and out from that contemplation, certainly we will see what God desires for us to see. Okay, so here we are talking about the interior life. And as all of the church fathers uh, talked about on this gospel passage and Many uh, commentaries you will find speak to the revelation here of the Trinity, mm. you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But you and I were talking, Debbie, before we came on air here, and there's a very important word that some translations, depending on what Bible you have, some translations might render open, others tear, others shred. The verse, the context is, the heavens opened. The Greek there is schizo, schizo, right? The base root for what? But the word schism, break. And the idea here is that God didn't just open the heavens. 
you know, when the Spirit descends and we hear those great words, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. I mean, this word, he tears open heaven. There is a cosmic rupture in heaven. Huh? I mean, the love shared between the Father and the Son now descends from infinity to our finite reality, from the unknown to the known. Wow. You better believe there would be a rupture, a break, a tearing open of heaven. Now, what's really interesting about this is if you go to the other place that you find this in the Gospel of Mark is Mark 15, verse 38. Well, what's tearing? Mm -hmm. But the curtain, right? At at the time of the crucifixion, Mm -hmm. the curtain torn in two. Now, here in this verse, we have the heavens tearing open. And what are the subsequent verses? But this revelation of sonship, this revelation of Trinity. What is the following verse? Mark 15, verse 39. It's the centurion. Truly, this is the Son of God. What's the significance there? Well, if you go to Mark 15, 38, and the context of the temple, well, the curtain torn in two. Why? Because it was no longer just about the high priest who had access to the Holy of Holies. No, Debbie was you, me, and all of us now had access to the divine uh, presence of God. You are now in the inner courtroom. Well, the message is clear here, especially with those words from the centurion, that all people, Gentile, Jew, Greek alike, have access So as to what? Well, profess that great confession of faith. Truly, you are the Son of God. It's as if the whole gospel in all of its verses just kind of moved to that one point. Remember, Mark's themes are about emphasizing his humanity, but also his divinity. Okay? They they come together. So they move towards that one verse. Truly, you are the Son of God. I mean, if you think about it, Debbie, this is a most fascinating thing. I mean, here you have God uh, ripping things and shredding things and tearing things, and God likes to play, you know? <laughs> and because of this playfulness of God, shredding things and tearing things, we now have access to God. From the baptism to the cross, we have access to God. And Mark wants us to see this. And of course, this great passage that you read for us, Debbie, uh, that verse that speaks to the Trinity, is the sum goal, the highest doctrine, because is because in the Trinity we have the great revelation of love, love given, love received, and love shared. It's um, an absolute beautiful image that I'm, you know, these these two images that we have of <clears throat> the cross and um, of the baptism. You know, mm-hmm. the new life in both. Mm. You know, Jesus is um, showing us new life through baptism. And then, of course, on the cross, our new life in him. And, you know, every time I hear uh, that we have a share in divine life, that I don't know, that should knock our socks off. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it should um, make us pause to think, what a gift. Yeah. What an incredible, unearned yeah, it's not like we did yeah. anything to earn this. What a wonderful gift Jesus gave us from the cross. And God the Father in his infinite love um, 
gave to us to share him, his very self, share mm-hmm. his very life with mm-hmm. us. You know, Debbie, as you're talking there, there is a word that strikes me, and it is the word actually. You know, yes, we say we actually receive the grace from God, but by saying that, what do we mean? Well, what we intend to mean when we use the word actually in this context is that, yes, we actually receive the grace from God to share in His life so that we actualize God in the very things we do, make present God in our life. It is, I believe, Debbie, the most proper sense of the word actually. The Catechism highlights this actual sharing, and this is very important. So when when we receive the sanctifying gifts in our baptism of faith, hope, and love, the sanctifying grace, it at once sets us apart because now it shows the world that we belong to God. And so now we just have to live this out, huh? There is a tendency today to spend so much time locked in on the negative that we fail to appreciate the positive. Absolutely. And let us put this in the context of you know, vice and virtue sin and grace. Do we realize the gift that we have been given in God's very substance, his life-giving substance, this, this energy as the church fathers would talk about it that just bears life when it arrives onto a scene? Or do we spend so much time with the negative and how easy is it? Mea culpa, you know, mm-hmm. Debbie, I mean, sure. mea culpa, Me you, too. you know, you get wrapped up in a news piece and an hour and a half, two hours later, you get upset about what you're hearing and mm-hmm. you're no longer in the mindset that you should have been, you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe someone comes over and someone wants to talk about the faith, but you're not disposed. Mm-hmm. Um, this is tragic. Mm-hmm. This is tragic. We need to uh, reorient our focus on what is positive. And by this, what I mean, Debbie, is we place too much of an emphasis on sin mm-hmm. and not enough emphasis on virtue. What I am not saying is that we should not talk about sin. Right. No. I mean, John Paul II, in his catechetical series on the catechism, spent the first 22 weeks on what? Sin, mm-hmm. right? Because to understand who Jesus is, and remember, Jesus, Yeshua, means God saves, right? We must first understand what he saves us from, right. our sin, mm-hmm. okay? But if he spent 22 weeks talking about sin, he spent so many more weeks talking about grace, And this is what we need to be focusing in on. So what does that mean for us as faithful Christians and Catholics? Well, what are the virtues that we are given in baptism? Faith, hope, and love. Let's exercise these gifts. Let us go to the training room (laughs) and work out with these gifts, these uh, moral virtues of faith, hope, and love. And what you will find, Debbie, is you will spend less time focusing on the negative. And again, I'm not talking here about this idea where we don't look at our sinfulness. Uh, No, we need to be looking at our sinfulness every day. I'm speaking more about how we project out from who we are. Are we so constant in looking at other people's sins? No. First, look at our own sin. What's the great passage, Matthew 7, 1 and 5? Take the plank out of your own eye, then you will be able to see. Part of this, though, is out from that examination of self and seeing our sin, we will see and be able to prioritize the need to be virtuous, 
and not allow the circumstances that are out of our control to dictate how we are called to love. Uh, this is very important. You know, we talk about uh, the image or the analogy of, is the cup half empty or half full? Well, as we were talking earlier, Debbie, <laughs> as Christians, we should always see it half full, right? Because God has taken the worst thing in human history, the death of His own Son, and turned it into the greatest gift to mankind. I mean, did Jesus approach life with cup half empty? No. Each and every moment, he approached it as a half full moment. And so should we. Because if there is a moment in our life that would have us saying uh, the, cup is, the cup is half empty, then let us draw from the grace of God to fill up that cup so that it might be overflowing. Absolutely. And, and associated with that, if we spend all of our energies focusing on sin, let, let's just say even our own sin, what happens there? Yeah. We become scrupulous of ourselves and don't think it ends there, folks. Yeah. Pretty soon, I'm looking at you and going, my goodness, he doesn't comb his hair right. Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, the judgment, the critical spirit, a critical spirit, not a loving spirit, not a spirit of God, becomes in place of um, our soft and pliable and loving hearts. It's just the fruit of where our focus is. So I think not only is it a detriment to your own spiritual life, but but to your life with your brothers and sisters, you know, um, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to share that negative energy with everybody you come in contact with, because that's where your focus is. Instead, who is it that said this, Joe? And you're probably, uh, how dare you focus more on your sin than on my mercy? Mm-hmm. Was that from mm-hmm. to Sister Faustina? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems yes. like it yeah. was. Yeah. And that has always stuck with me. Yeah. You know, how dare you focus more on your sin than on my infinite mercy because your sin is like a drop in the ocean of my mercy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that wow, was, that, that was puts it in perspective. Yeah, it does. It does. And there is a literal context to that. If the bodies of water make up 70% of uh, the earth, well, yes, that is but a drop of his mercy, because that's the greatness of his love. His love yeah. is not finite, Mm-mm. but inexhaustible, infinite, right? And only until we understand, or at least attempt to begin to understand and inquire about this love in and through prayer, will we begin to discover the true purpose and meaning of our life, that we were created from love for love and apart from love, Debbie, life and our existence is just a very difficult thing to, to get a hold of. You know, I can't help but think of, of the prodigal son as you were talking there. I was made to think about the elder brother, you know, <laughs> and the expectation and that disease of entitlement. So here you have the elder brother who does not understand the love of the father because he's so wrapped up in his own business and the finite understanding of the world. He doesn't go beyond himself. He doesn't understand the deeper meaning of his younger brother's return. What does the father say to his son? Son, you were always with me, 
and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to make merry and be glad because once your brother was dead and now he is alive again. So scrupulosity does not serve the greater good. Mea culpa, huh? Okay, very good. Deb, I think with, with the remainder of our time, what I want to do is touch upon this word preaching. Okay, in the Greek, the kariso or caruso, this heralding, this announcing, uh, this audible evangelizing, <laughs> and the importance of it. You know, there's a great quote out there that comes to us from St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. You've probably heard me years, use that quote before. I love that quote, and it certainly is one of my favorite quotes. But we have to be careful to just not drown out the need to audibly hand on the faith and evangelize the faith, because this is what the Baptist is doing here. He is preaching, evangelizing the heart with his words, words that are inspired by God's love and his grace, for sure. But make no mistake about it. There is power behind God-inspired words. We look at the Baptist and we see him as this fiery preacher, huh? Rightfully so because he lives in the love of God, that love which so often in sacred scripture is symbolized by fire, because fire purifies, fire cleanses. So we are made to see the importance of this need to preach, and as the New Testament carries on as well, to teach the faith. Our church is a teaching church. Jesus Christ himself said, go therefore and teach the nations. So it is right in the book of Acts, we see this preaching and teaching. And so we must rest in God's love and out from that rest, look for opportunities to preach and to teach the transforming message. And the Baptist's message is repentance. Why? Is it going to help him? No, he has nothing. He has nothing to gain. Because he loves his brothers and sisters. He loves them enough to warn them and to bring the baptism of repentance. And then the very first thing. So we have this charismatic character that comes on the scene and and spends his days in the water dunking people under and and them confessing their sins. This whole image is just beautiful. This charismatic man. Jesus comes on the scene, and what is the first thing he says? This is his proclamation. One mightier than me is coming. Don't look at me. I am not even worthy to stoop and untie his sandal, which is something that a slave would be doing. A, A servant, a slave, would be doing with their master. I'm not even worthy to do that. The humility of John the love to seek out repentance and at the same time the humility to serve in a way that no one else would even maybe think to. Mm -hmm. Our example in John is profound. Yeah, and specific to this whole idea of preaching and what we're talking about. Uh, Because if we are going to preach repentance, if we're going to Mm -hmm. preach the good news, what are we doing? We're preaching a transforming message. Well, if we're going to be transformed, then we must enter into the humility of the Baptist, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, the humility of the Son of God, Mm, right? I mean, it's a baffling thing that God, 
would descend mm-hmm. and have to be baptized by man. Yeah. But he does so that we might learn from his humility, and it's an important theological note, <laughs> that we understand our baptism is, is an immersion into Christ's own baptism. Right. Because what we are doing is immersing ourselves into the very death and ultimately then life of Christ. And so, yes, we see this as a baptism of repentance and at the same time, a baptism of humility. Uh, one that comes out from uh, this great message that mm-hmm. he is heralding, uh, one that focuses in on humility. Famous story, uh, St. Augustine's asked the question, uh, what are the three greatest virtues? And his response is humility, humility, and humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we are humble, like the Baptist, and the great, the great prayer that comes to us from John 3.30 in light of this opening verse you just spoke to, uh, Debbie, is, you know, he, may he increase as I decrease. Mm-hmm. W- what is this about? Uh, why is it at the heart of his message? Well, if we are humble, then we will not get carried away in protecting this false self. So often, what happens in our humanity, in our brokenness, we spend a great deal of time, Debbie, protecting ourselves. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, stone by stone, we erect these cathedrals, <laughs> you know, protecting the false self. This is why uh, St. John Paul II said, an excuse is worse than a lie because it's a lie guarded. If you are protecting a lie, then ultimately uh, that is the way that you build that cathedral. But if you're, hum- if you're humble, the walls come crashing down. Mm-hmm. If you make yourself, and this is a hard word for a lot of people, Debbie, if you make yourself vulnerable, mm. vulnerable, uh, the wall will come crashing down. And this, of course, is what lies at the heart of the man in St. John the Baptist, and certainly, as you noted, Debbie, in his initial proclamation. Mm-hmm. A proclamation, Debbie, oh, by the way, that has a very unique place in our liturgical calendar. If you were to go back to the second Sunday of Advent, we read the same verse, huh? Mark 1-7. <laughs> you read it, and he preached saying, what? After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong, whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. This is the same verse that you read for us today. A very unique thing, and rightfully so that we have this initial proclamation of profound humility, that he sees himself less than the slave. Do we stoop down into this humility? What a great challenge we have before us. And as a whole, on this uh, great feast day of the baptism of our Lord, do we have this challenge to stoop down into the humility of Christ? so that we do not get caught up in the bells and whistles of life, but that we see each and every moment for what it was ordained to be in God's greater purpose. Amen to that. Absolutely. And the last sentence in this gospel today is what we want to someday hear. Mm. Mm -hmm. You are my beloved son or daughter, and it is with you that I am well pleased. Amen. And we'll close with that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.